You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerdroom, we talk about the Star Wars Marvel DC and beyond. This is episode number 235, we're discussing Mandalorian Season 2 First Look and the return of the 2020 box office. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And Sanjay has taken a short sabbatical from the podcast, but he will be returning hopefully next week. We don't know. He's out, he's about, he's doing something, but guys, you will get him and all his quirks back next week, fingers crossed. But this week, he got myself, the goddamn Batman, and Craven, the goddamn Hunter, as well, <laughs> on the podcast this week. Guys, we got a ton of stuff to get through, including, no, it's not a trailer, but it is our first look at The Mandalorian Season 2 through the normal Star Wars procession of promotion with the EW spread. This is likely preceding what will be discussed next week in a Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. But we got some images from The Mandalorian and a few quotes that give us some insight as to what this season is going to entail. No big spoilers here, guys, but we're going to be getting that end of the episode. And last week... My dudes gave us a great spoiler-free review of Tenet. Sanjay spoke to New Mutants, but the box office is back. Tenet debuted domestically in the States this past weekend, Labor Day weekend. And we're going to check out what that means for the box office, what implications it has, not only for our pool here, which is finally getting up and running again, but what it looks <laughs> like for the future, for Wonder Woman 84, for Black Widow, because opposing that was the release of Mulan onto Disney+. Plus. We have some preliminary insights into that as well, and how Disney fared on that side with the premium VOD. And then we're also going to look at this Bizarro 2020. Yes, we are living in the Bizarro 2020, but we're going to look back to, you know, Earth 1 2020, where they've seen Black Widow, where they've seen Wonder Woman 84 already, and talk about what we should have seen at this point in 2020 if we were not in the midst of a unprecedented pandemic. So we're going to do that, guys. And we also got a listener question from our good friend over at Tumbling Saber, Kyle. We're going to keep the synergy going between the podcasts. I actually jumped over there this past week, last week, or this week, I guess it was on Sunday, released today as we record over the Tumbling Saber feed. And we talked about some Mandalorian stuff, some collecting, a great time. So head over to Tumbling Saber to check out our discussion there. But guys, guys, what is going on? It was a very exciting week on the hunt, but I, I'm, I'm giddy with excitement, and I flip and love the hunt, guys. But I got I to gotta hear what's what's going on with you. Troy, my dude, yeah, were you out there? You're, you're doing something else for me. Like, you were grinding out on Kijiji, but did you manage to find anything else for yourself this week? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was doing the Kijiji hunt, but... Um... Nothing on my end for Kijiji. Uh, more Spider-Man, uh, this retro line, man. It just keeps pouring in. I've lost all count on these things. But um, yeah, man, I got a, I got another Spidey. So I got one that I got to uh, unbox and just kind of play around with. And I, I love it, man. This this is some new new stuff for Marvel Legends, what they're doing with this Spider-Man. Um, also picked up the Electro. Electro came in. Okay. He looks fly. Um, and Mysterio, man. The Mysterio. I missed out. I never got my hands on Mysterio mm. with the original release of the Marvel Legends. 
I think he was like the lizard build a figure wave. That guy was impossible to find. So I'm really glad that they re-released him. I think this one's pretty hard to get to. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen it. I've seen all the other ones, but not yeah, that one. Not that one. So I pre-ordered him. I, I'm tripping, though, because I can't remember if I pre-ordered Kingpin or not. I was trying to look back and see my pre-orders. I don't know. But I hope I did because I really want that that Kingpin. So uh, anyways, yeah. So I got Electro. I got Spidey. And I got Mysterio. Um, I think last week I mentioned that I did pick up a Mystique. But I had to double up and get another Mystique. Because I had to do some bashing with that thing. And um, it's a really cool figure. I finally got the chance to pull it out. And again, this Fox X-Men line, man. Hasbro across the board. I've even seen some G.I. Joes out there. And these things are great. Like the X-Men line. I like Mystique's um, posability. She pretty much moves a lot like the other female figures. Um, I'm hoping we get those double bicep uh, joints sooner or later down the line with these things. But apart from that, the detail on her is fantastic. Um... I think that's really it. I didn't get a chance to get Saga. This is going to be the first time in a while, man, <laughs> that I haven't read Saga because um, I'm uh, I'm back on my Rangers book. So I'm reading a couple of those because if I have Saga next beside me, I just I don't read anything else. So <laughs> um, I checked out that. And, you know, what? I also did read um, The Road to the Avengers game, the uh, like the prequel comic. Um, oh, it's cool. kind of cool. It's kind of neat. It's like the gamer verse. I think they refer to mm-hmm. much like the, the Spider-Man game. And um, yeah, man, just did that. So it's it's been um, it's been kind of chill. I feel like I'm missing something at the top of my head, but it's all good, man. I'll, I'll get it on the next time. But yeah, that's that's been it, man. That's been it. Oh, and guys, if you want to check out some of the bashing that Troy's done, he's over on our Instagram page, just lighting it on fire. He's got two <laughs> recent posts, and the the post you did with the Spider Man today, and you've mm-hmm. kind of you've got it like almost like a tri image of the action figure and then the comic yeah. book and that and some sketch art. Yeah. It's gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. And then you can cool. also see his, cool. his bash of a black widow and a mystique doing the transformation in action yeah. figure form. Woo. Woo. I almost <laughs> fell over when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's Appreciate some pro it, level work, Appreciate man. <laughs> yeah. Trying man. Lots of fun, man. These stories. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. All right. It's the goddamn Batman's turn. He's wearing the Wakanda Forever shirt, the Black Panther yeah. shirt. I love it, man. I love it. Let's go. Yes, let's go, man. What do you what do you got going on this week in Nerd? Yeah, man. It was kind of light for me on the kind of toys and physical product front. I did get out on the hunt a few times and try and find a Mandalorian walking <laughs> around those janky malls like Northland and Walmart. <laughs> but uh there's nothing man it was it was dry out there i like the universe is conspiring to keep uh keep me away from that beskar i feel I like it's... the actual mandalorian like on the hunt for that stuff i think it's the missus but... man she's going buying them up and scalping them. <laughs> yeah she well, she's got to pay for all that wonder woman swag she's been yeah. ordering all over the place somehow so maybe maybe but yeah speaking of the missus uh, that was one of the things that we ended up picking up was uh, Bottleneck Gallery. They're kind of a heir to the crown that Mondo holds, in my opinion. I think they're kind of the best mm-hmm. fan art poster producers in the game right now. They do superb work, beautiful stuff. They um, enlist the really interesting artists who do very different work. And uh, she had latched onto this guy called Juan Reed's Borges and he did this gorgeous Wonder Woman poster and it's her kind of standing um, at no man's land with the cloak coming off her and very iconic but stylized type of almost stained glass type 
uh, imagery in the background. And out of the blue, these guys solicit a Superman, Henry Cavill style, but the background for him is kind of the Man of Steel history lesson. So he's got the kind of gray Kryptonian graphics in the background and whatnot, and then a BVS bat. So it's bat standing there in front of the bat signal is what it'll be poking out from behind his girthy shoulders there. So um, my super love man loving kid was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. And I was like, well, if you're going to pass, I'll pass. And the, the wife, she was just like, nope, got to have that <laughs> Trinity going. So uh, yeah, we secured, yeah, we secured the rest of those prints, which was pretty cool. Um, and then our boy Force Ghost David on Twitter, he hit me up with this amazing Quest Love Michael Jackson just set list that he did one day. And how long was it, Troy? Like two hours, three hours? Uh, can, can, I, can I jump in for a sec? Yeah, I, man. I, I, sorry, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm playing Avengers two times this week. Carlos came in and hit me with some news to stop my Avengers playing. I'm playing Avengers. <laughs> Carlos hits me on the DM with this, with this tweet. I stopped everything. I, I brought my kid downstairs. I pulled out my phone. I pulled out my Bluetooth, turned up the music loud. And I was like, wow, this set is incredible. And I told Carlos, man, I'm like, this is like a history lesson on an MJ. I know a lot about MJ, but I'm here just sitting there like, man, just preach. Like, tell me everything you got on the King of Pop, man. And it was it was phenomenal. So huge shout out to you, man. That was made my day. Made my day. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was all our boy David in uh, yeah. Ireland there. Because, yeah. yeah, it was it was awesome. Like, it was I think he owes my employer like a few bucks because like my productivity went way down with the jamming out. But uh, yeah, it was cool. And then from there, uh, Questlove ends up recommending a book called My Friend Michael. So I ended up picking up that on Amazon. So I guess we're everything Star Wars, Marvel, DC and beyond now. So MJ yeah. hits that beyond itch. Yeah, man. And then, uh, yeah, just finishing out a bit of the streaming content. So digested the first three episodes of The Boys. That was awesome. Like they picked up right where they left off and everything's just next level with that show. So can't wait to see where they're taking it. And they uh, took a page out of Disney's book with the Mandalorian. So they're doing weekly episodes, which nice. I actually kind of prefer, like it makes sense. You're st you yeah. stay in the public consciousness for six, eight, 10 weeks or whatever, instead of, Hey, we had this release this weekend and then nobody talks about it after a couple yeah. weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. So and you're, you're trying to plow through it. Like you're just to get through it. Right. At least I think with mm -hmm. the, episodic releases like the weekly releases you have more time to digest it 100 man and kind of you're not trying to rush to the next episode and like i, yeah. I that binging i think there is a, a time and a place for it but i'm i'm on with you guys too like I, I like that ability to to pace it out a little bit once a week it becomes almost like an event viewing in the house yeah yeah, yeah. i love that yeah, and like with the binging, it's there's so, there's more content out there than you could ever binge in your life. That's mm -hmm. from years gone by, right? Like there's tons and tons of stuff, but the new stuff, not everybody has the opportunity to sit down for 15 hours over two days yeah. and just take it all in, right? So, yeah, I appreciate that. And then uh, yeah, wrapped up DC Vertigo's Lucifer, and uh, nice. yeah, it was cool. Like I love what Netflix is doing, but the main reason I want to bring it up is. Netflix on the PlayStation, they have that little preview thing. If you just like leave it on a show, it shows you a couple minutes of an episode or whatever. And uh, it's playing an episode from like season three or season four. And uh, he's on the set of this TV show confronting somebody. 
But in the background, what do I spy? And as set dressing is the gorilla costumes that Poison Ivy and Bane used in Batman <laughs> and Robin. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. And they shoot that show on the Warner Brothers lot because we had gone a few couple of years ago and we actually got to go and on the set of Lucifer's bar and the police station and stuff like that. And uh, when I went a few years before that, even I got to go through the prop warehouse. So I know all that stuff is kind of in and around. I didn't see those, but uh, yeah, it, it was no stretch of the imagination that uh, <laughs> those things came up. But I was like, ah, good on you. It's all connected. <laughs> this just proves the multiverse exists. It exists, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. But how about you, Tim? Like this, oh. Tro- Troy and I were just formalities for this weekend, nerd. Yeah, because, man. Uh, I know you're bringing the heat this week. Yes, well, sir. <laughs> I-, I don't know. But first things first, you're talking the MJ love guys. Look, I was tra- channeling my inner dudes this week. I-, I stepped up and watched the documentary that you recommended about a month or so ago, Carlos. The Square One, or Square yeah, One, man. as it's called. And on Michael Jackson, you guys just got me in this vibe in this setting. And so I was hanging out by myself and I was like, I want to check this out. Go through it. It is extremely well put together. And it's a great fact-based documentary. A documentary should always be fact-based. But this one, it kind of walks you through. It gives you the right interviews. I, I think if you go back and you ask a generation before or ahead of us or whatever and say, what are your thoughts on Michael Jackson? They're going to spit out the venom, right, that this documentary really puts to rest. It's interesting watching how the media at that time was just kind of pulling at strings because they wanted content. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they just, they openly said, we just made up stuff. And so it's awful that they they pulled this, like this icon down to this level, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's something like this that I think more and more people need to see to, to really bring and shed light on the truth and what I believe is the truth the way they presented it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, it was it was fairly objective and good old Canadian boy put it together. But uh, yeah, it's like what you talk about with the media. It's almost to bring it back to the fan space. It's like the precursor to mm-hmm. the clickbait articles and all that kind of stuff. 100%. Like the scoopers and all that. Because they say it's like it, it wasn't in our best interest as media companies to have this guy be innocent because we make way more money and we can sell more newspapers and advertising. It's crazy if, yeah. when you think about the implications of that and like now even going through it on a whole nother level right where there's like professional fact checkers because of (laughs) the crap that people spew online like you can't believe because at that time even you believe what's in the paper right these are trusted sources and so the stuff that's coming out oh this must be true right and here they are openly admitting that it wasn't like it was just like like just a little morsel of a of a clue or something okay we're gonna run with this front page and so Go and watch that, guys. Like that's 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 my recommend for for viewership this week, one hundred percent. But as we skip over to the plastic, I tell yeah. you, I had a really really <laughs> slow week, really slow week because we we got a dog and all this stuff this weekend, so we're dealing with all that. And my girls are ecstatic. But so this was like we had the Monday off Labor Day weekend up here in Canada, and I actually sat down on on Sunday night to record with the Tumbling Saber crew. So I'm over there recording with Carlos from Tumbling Saber and Kyle, and I get a little buzz on my phone, and I'm thinking, ah, what's going on? And, you know, we we often chuck random Kijiji stuff at each other that we think the like, and Craven here <laughs> tosses a link for the four turtles, the NECA turtles that I've been looking for, at, like, for months that I can't get any sort of lead on anything. He tosses them to me. 
And then I didn't have a chance to relook as we we're podcasting. And then Carlos pings and says, my God, this is a smoking deal. Like for they like basically retail five bucks over retail per figure. And then I go into panic mode <laughs> because I'm, I'm trying to talk to the guys. And then I'm also trying to cut this Kijiji deal and not miss out. Cause I know these are going to go quick. And so I'm thinking like, I already have the raft. Do I ask for just three of them or, and I'm usually the guy that goes and, and tries to, at least get 10 bucks off or something right on any Kijiji deal. And so I'm thinking, what do I do here? And I'm kind of like trying to half pay attention to, to podcasting and then also read through and try to like do the number. You know, when you're trying to do math, but you can't pay attention, you can't do like simple math. And so I'm doing this in my head and I'm getting all flustered and frustrated and I'm like, screw it. So I just message her. I'll take the turtles. <laughs> and, uh, what, and, and the excitement went from there because then when I finished recording with them and I sat down and I actually read through what she was offering, it's mint in box NECA turtles, the seven inch scale, the ones that Troy was like right off the hop on the game with. And I'm like a year and a half behind, but just realizing the quality of this stuff. And I got them sitting in front of me. I went on Monday, picked them up, super easy exchange. It was like, you know, the, the COVID Kijiji drops where, you know, they send the money, they put it out front, you don't see anyone, pick them up, go through, and, oh, I tell you, these figures, Troy, are as good as you said they were a year and a half ago. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you got them, man. I'm glad you got them. Oh, uh, like, that was the 2020 plastic anxiety for me. That was, like, top of the list. <laughs> To, to get these secured and now that i got them i'm like okay i can breathe now i can just i can go after different stuff and so and i had all this like extra energy and so i hadn't been to a ton of stores yet i'm still super conservative with all this stuff but i was like screw it i'm going to toys r us i'm going to walmart i'm going everywhere on the way home from picking these up so dip by walmart i found a zori bliss black series on sale 20 bucks for that i was like yep coming in the cart and then i go by uh toys r us not a whole lot going on there, but I found one from, from Carlos's favorite movie of 2018, Captain Marvel. <laughs> I found the exclusive, the very hard to find Captain Marvel binary form. 16 bucks. Scoop that as well. But in all honesty, there's about 400 of them on the pegs. <laughs> this, this figure is not great. Not great at all. They tried to do something here. The execution okay like they have some translucent on the arm to make her look binary and all that it's cool but I, i'm in this game where i'm trying to get every single single packed mcu marvel legend so it had to come and given that i was on riding this amazing high from these turtles i was just like you're coming home carol danvers you're coming home so <laughs> that sounds exactly like a review of the movie like they tried to do something like it's okay but it's not it's not great <laughs> but, it, but it had to happen <laughs> here we are here we are <laughs> no so yeah it was uh it was a huge week for me huge huge week on the hunt and my wallet is you know wincing a little bit but it's okay it's okay it's it's digestible at this point i've been a little more careful with my black series purchases and that because i've been really looking at these guys and then NECA goes and does something crazy again and they release up for pre-order still, guys, and will be as this, this episode drop, is a TMNT accessory pack for the 7-inch line. So you've got head swaps for all the turtles. You've got street signs. You've got the TV with April O'Neil on it. You've got the Mikey swinging the nunchucks on his finger. 
all kinds of cool and crazy stuff in this accessory pack. It's again, it's something that when if you explain the concept to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's cool. When I see it, I'm like, yeah, I need it. I have to have it. <laughs> so yeah, NECA's NECA's just been been fire. The only thing I'll say about NECA is that unlike Amazon, which I like, is they don't charge you until they ship. And so it helps spread things out a little bit. But NECA, and I, I get why they do it. It's kind of a guaranteed sale, and they're doing this special for the collectors and this pre-order window thing. But as soon as you pre-order, you pay. And so it's a little bit different than some of the other companies out there. But at the end of the day, money in, money out, when it goes out is, you know, at this point, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been a, been a fire, fire week in, in the action figure game. And then also I was up at the local and I grabbed the young Nick Fury from Captain Marvel 2. Nice. So I, I'm trying to complete that line out. So it's, uh, it all came together this week, guys. A few slow weeks for me. But, man, so uh, it's shit, Troy, man. And yep. Carlos, even with the comments, too, huge shout-out to, to what Craven and the goddamn Batman did here for me this week. It uh, was huge, huge. The, the funniest part of that whole story for me is how you said that that was, like, your major plastic anxiety for 2020. I'm going to suggest when 2020 started, no. the Turtles weren't even on your radar, No, which I, is I'm, amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much my game has evolved in this last little bit. Because even when Troy, I remember when you got them and you were talking about that these things are fire and they look great. And it didn't even click in my mind. I was just like, <laughs> okay. And then the hype online was building about this NECA stuff. And it's really caught fire in the last six months. Yeah. And I'm one of the guys that jumped on the bandwagon when it really started to catch fire. And this is why I've had so much trouble because I think there's a lot of people like me that slept on this stuff pretty early on. And right, right. now that they're coming out fast and furious with all this stuff and they've got some momentum in this line that people are being like, okay. And you know, that turtles, and I, it's funny because it, I, it's hard to calibrate because I, I don't know if it is in the broader sense, more popular than it was a year ago, or if it's just my focus. Cause it's like, you're right. At the start of the year, if you go back and listen to our most anticipated, that has no talk about turtles. But here I am with the NECA stuff, and I'm going deep into the vintage stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. too, also with this line is what they've done. Unlike most other series, like if you're if you're looking at like say an X Men wave or the Power Rangers wave, they'll release like one original character, then they'll give you a bunch of others. Whereas the turtles NECA, they give you all four turtles at the jump. So you're like, mm -hmm. if you miss out, you're kind of like, oh shoot. So it kind of makes you more thirsty for these figures once uh once you can't get them um and then obviously you know they hit you pretty hard with like the the shredder the splinter yeah. and then the foot time but then you're like well i need the turtles so um that's good man that's good turtle power let's go oh. that's awesome yeah cowabunga now i just gotta yeah, wait man. for my toka razor and my super shredder and yeah. everything else it's uh it's yeah, an it's intense we need the, we need the this was it the part three you need the samurai turtles and uh you got that you got the rock stars too right the rock star turtles coming up Oh, I What's didn't it? buy the you Rockstar. The, I didn't end up pulling okay. the trigger. Okay. The problem was internationally, you could only buy the bundle, which was like $250 oh. Canadian that's, for all that. And the figures, maybe someday if I see them at a convention, if I can justify you know, a $150 purchase or something for them, because that's about what they'll be. But I couldn't yeah. do the 250 It was just too much for Because the extra stuff was just like that, the lanyard and the T-shirt and all that. It was cool. Yeah. But I just didn't have like if it was these turtles and that I probably would have done it, but those are mm -hmm. I just didn't have the strong nostalgic tie to them. Mm. But and they're gonna do those those turtles like the part three turtles as as hard as that movie is to watch. 
I'm gonna buy those figures. <laughs> they would look great though. They would. They would. Awesome. It, like if NECA yeah. goes at them, they would. And I know yeah. they'll take because the head sculpts or the head puppets and all that are really goofy in the third one. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just reuse the old ones that were really good. And so I know NECA will do new head sculpts that look goofy like those ones did. <laughs> So, anyways, guys, let, let's hit skip over to the news for this week. We're going to kick it off with revisiting the box office. You know, we've talked the last couple of weeks and even did our first film reviews and quite first new film reviews, I should say, in quite some time with Tenet and New Mutants. And now we're getting a taste of the box office, a topic that we love to discuss but haven't been able to in the last six months and topics so much that we love that we do have our yearly box office pool. And Troy right now is the current and reigning champion, but tenants coming in hot. I'm finally on the board guys. <laughs> and we can finally talk about this stuff again. And I'm going to fire up the listener one that we kicked off for the first time this year. And it's, it's pandemic year. So geez, but Tenet scored a $20.2 million domestic debut over this past weekend. Now, domestic, I believe, includes the Canadian stuff from last weekend, um, or I don't really know if this includes both weekends, but still, nonetheless, a $20 million debut for the first big tentpole film coming out in theaters with the current restrictions still in place. In my opinion, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about this, is a very good showing for this this adds to the total from the international which puts it up at about 150 million dollars globally over the past two weeks which is a lot more than i thought this was going to pull and to be honest with you i did not think the box office would spin around in this way now guys you might think a 20 million dollar or 20 million dollar opening is small relative to what we've talked about in the past when 100 million dollar plus is what you need or you're considered a bus but we're in different times now and nolan films start at least our front end low and they have a lot longer legs these are traditional nolan films and when you compare that to even past labor day weekends this is up amongst the top three or four in labor day weekend debuts even when you're comparing it to films that came out without restrictions that had the ability to hype up a film that had ability to claim a spot and build a promo campaign towards that and release it with realistically no constraints. So, Carlos, what, what are your thoughts on on Tenet's debut here to that $20 million mark and what it means for the box office going forward, for things like Wonder Woman? Like, everyone's taking notes here in from WB, taking the first step back into theaters. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Like you said, it, it's a decent number considering they only had, like, 35 to 50 percent of the seats available mm-hmm. to even sell so when you're within like striking distance of the labor day weekend record it's not a bad showing at all uh, i think they could have probably padded that number if he had allowed them to show it in drive-ins because mm-hmm. i guess the u.s is doing gangbuster business at drive-ins right now but nolan said he ain't showing <laughs> this film in a drive-in theater so it, it is what it is but uh, yeah, I, I think they're playing the long game. They're honestly the only big new blockbuster coming out, like bonafide blockbuster in theaters for like five weeks. So it's a not bad position for them to be in. I, I don't know who's going to knock them off kind of thing. So yeah, like I, I'm hopeful for them and I'd like to see the cinemas come back and um, 
you know, if you can deliver the films in a safe environment, then why not? And I think worst case, they'll cut the window short, do the kind of three weeks thing, and then they'll go with a premium VOD. I don't think it'll yeah. be as expensive as Mulan, but they can kind of get it in at that $20 price point. They'll, they'll probably be okay, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, worst case, you have a product for HBO Max too, right? So yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah. That and that's that's a huge part of this is like what do you do afterwards? Like, mm-hmm. Does this have a four week five week run? Because basically the next big thing to come up is Wonder Woman eighty four, I believe yeah. that that WB runs into before it starts cannibalizing itself at the theaters, and so it's gonna be interesting how they do this. I'm I'm still not there. If this goes premium VOD and it's twenty bucks, I'll buy it. no problem first night for yeah. me. And so, Troy, man, you've been a staunch supporter of of the theater-going experience from day one here since we started talking about this in any detail. You guys shed praise on this last week. This turnaround seems reasonable for for what we've got in the environment that we're living in. Yeah, man. I mean, I I was back at it again this uh, this weekend. I had a date night, so uh, I thought I'd help Tim out and uh, go see this film again. So I saw it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I, and I gotta say the second time seeing it, I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but I, there were some other things I noticed that I I actually really didn't like, but that being said, I noticed like it was really dead in that theater. There wasn't many people in there. Um, word of mouth has kind of been not the best for a Nolan film. Um, and then just the general people that I talk to don't even know what it, what it's all about. So I kind of feel like there's been a, a, it's been mismarketed. Also, we're in some crazy times, obviously, with world events. But um, I think I think Los Angeles too isn't playing any tenant as well. I don't think California's so, open yet. Yeah, they're they're not they're not playing it. So I mean, the, the numbers aren't bad when you look at it in that sense. That they are missing a huge market. I mean, especially a lot of AMC theaters have been shut down as well. So I mean, when you look at it in that sense, I guess it's not a bad number. It's it's not great at the same time either. Um, I definitely think they were probably going for a bit more, even though during these times are kind of crazy. I still feel like they wanted more because I, I think it was Nolan himself that said he wanted this to be like the big return of, mm-hmm. of cinema going forward. And I, I don't think they quite got it, um, especially going into this would be the second week, right? This is the second week we're now first week in oh, the Carlos States. Nice. First week in the States. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. For me, it's still kind of a wait and see. Because this, this, I really don't feel like this brought everybody back into the theater like a superhero film would yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Well, and I think the Labor Day weekend has traditionally not been a gangbuster weekend. Like your mm. first weekend in May or your July time slots. For whatever yeah. reason, like this doesn't see those million or hundred million dollar openings or even, you know, above 50. I think the record is around 30 or so. And, yeah, it's like just over thirty. It's like yeah. thirty and change. So yeah, okay. and so yeah. this this isn't a weekend that traditionally sees those giant films, which makes you wonder why someone hasn't stuck something in here, like yeah. a big, huge tentpole film, and maybe that's what they're shooting for here. And I, I don't know if it's end of summer and most people are trying to get the last little bit of of sunshine in or whatever, and that doesn't really drive or speak to those people that want to go and sit in a movie theater. I'm not sure what the issue with Labor Day. I would have thought in my head this shouldn't be any different than the july 4th weekend or anything like that but it's interesting to see that in that in that space in labor day space it performed good like like given you know the constraints that you said carlos that they're only showing it in a percentage of the the available seats and so it's it's interesting it also saw like a pretty good showing at i think it was like 2800 films or theaters that it was showing at in the states which is comparable 
you know, I think in some superheroes you're upwards of 4,000, but yeah. it's, it's not a small amount of theaters it was in. That's for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops because on the flip side of that, we also had the first go at a premium VOD on Disney plus this is the weekend that Mulan was released onto that platform for that $30 price point and kind of again this weird testing ground that Disney says they're not testing for but I'm quite convinced that they are <laughs> to, see, <laughs> to see how <laughs> releasing directly onto their streaming services translates into subscriptions and then ultimately some sort of 100% net box office haul and so the Mulan numbers are going to be difficult to decipher really until Disney has some sort of earning call and they try to translate it into profitability. And so there's a lot of sites out there that are kind of guessing at this. Uh, there's one, I believe, company, Sensor Tower, that looks at the downloads of the actual app. And it saw a 68% rise in the overall downloads uh, compared to the weekend before. So definitely some uplift because of Mulan. There's a couple of other sites that are saying that this did fairly reasonable. It had about, you know, seven, 800,000 downloads. But again, it's really difficult because I know a lot of these sites only cater to Apple and Google, not Amazon or your smart TVs. And then this doesn't factor in really any of the current subscribers, the 65 million plus people that already have Disney Plus. So it it looks like you translate this across. It looks like it had a reasonable effect on the Disney Plus. When you look at though something like Hamilton, it had a 74% increase week on week out from the, when they debuted that in early July. So the long game really for this is the subscriptions, right? Driving people to this for the long-term gain and maybe sacrificing a bit of what you would have had in a true box office sense. Mulan's a tough one though, because personally, I'm not doing this premium VOD. Disney's limited themselves a bit with stating up front that this is coming in December. So there's not a huge wait to get this for free as we all subscribe to the service already. But Mulan itself isn't a film that I would have went to the theater in. No matter what environment yeah. we live in, I'm not I'm not just going to go see Mulan. I haven't seen any of the live actions in theaters. It's not because it's Mulan. It's just because it's not a film that I would traditionally go. I'd, I'll wait this one out for a Digico from Sunny or for something like Disney+. Plus. So, Troy, I think you're relatively along the same sentiments with, with Mulan there in your going experience. But I guess contrasting this to what we just talked about in in the box office, the true box office, Mulan seemed to fare all right. But I don't know if there's a long-term, at least, indication as to what Disney's going to do based off of Mulan alone. I think they need something stronger in there to draw more people in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I feel like this just wasn't quite the movie to do that move with. This was something that could just go straight Disney+. Plus. They say they're not testing anything, but they're definitely testing something. <laughs> um, but I think this is this is just, yeah, kind of like the wrong movie to do it with. I, I'm much like you, too. Like, I I, I, I respect a lot of the live-action mm-hmm, ones, sure. uh, Disney films, but I, there's not one I've chased in theaters yet. Um, I think I even waited for Lion King to, mm-hmm, to see on uh, Disney+. Plus. So, um yeah, man, that one, that, that's unfortunate, you know, because when I saw the trailers to this movie, it did look something that was made to be cinematic. It looked like yeah. this had, you know, the big the big screen all over it. And uh, it's unfortunate, man, but I will check it out in a couple of months. Yeah. That's for <laughs> sure. So, 
Wait for that review. <laughs> yeah, it will be a, a Sunday night family night movie yeah. for us here sometime in December, early January. <laughs> that's for sure. But it, it's just not something that, like you said, it's not going to pull a ton of people. Carlos, you're nodding your head in agreement there, man. Is You're kind of along the same lines with, with this movie, maybe not being the one to really and truly test the power of this direct consumer, this premium VOD. Yeah. Um, on the personal note, like, yeah, this wouldn't have been one that we'd pay to go see in the theater. And I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the Disney live action movies. I, I think I've seen all of them and yeah, there hasn't been one of them. That's I, I thought was great, but that aside, I think it did all right. Uh, yeah. for them like if you look at the uptick in downloads of just disney plus as an app almost a million people downloaded the mm-hmm. app this weekend and so there, there's a bit of a correlation to mulan there coming out and i think by the end of the weekend it was their number one yep. uh, watch thing on streaming so you've got like i think cinderella just came out on there and the simpsons is always one of the number one things so if it bumped both of those and Disney's getting 30 bucks a pop for every Disney Plus subscriber that downloaded that, that's going to be a decent chunk of change. So hopefully we hear what it did. Not that I'm overly concerned about the performance of Mulan, but I want to know how it did mm-hmm. so that we can start getting a clearer picture as to what happens with Black Widow. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think it was a smart move on Disney's Plus. And like reading the tea leaves, I think they did all right, considering they're taking a hundred percent of this home. Yeah. So that that yeah. was kind of my general feel too, is that the uptick in downloads, it's and it's so hard to calibrate all this, right? Like if you translate that directly and said everyone that came into it came from Mulan and paid, that's thirty million dollars right there, right? Give or take. Mm-hmm. And then you add in a small percentage of the current subscription base, like that that you could realistically estimate between 50 and a hundred million dollar opening for Mulan domestically. Yeah. And it's all in their pocket. Yeah. That's a hundred percent net. <laughs> and then yeah. this doesn't talk about the international rollout that is doing. So anywhere it doesn't have Disney plus is getting international rollout. what this does in China. And so there, there is some balancing act to do there, but it would be super interesting. Like not that I want them to play, you know, guinea pig with Black Widow, but to compare and contrast something like that with this, like, do you see a, a two, three hundred percent increase in downloads of the app because of something that is arguably their biggest tentpole film of the year in Black Widow, Disney's? And so, I think this space is going to be something that we've been keeping close tabs on from the beginning. Here, it's going to be so interesting to evolve because this is the first time we're getting kind of that tangible data from yeah. something that was meant to be a tentpole film in March. And it was one their first big foray in 2020 into the live action stuff, right? We haven't seen a Pixar drop in this capacity. We haven't seen an MCU film or a Star Wars film or anything like that. So this is like one of their big pillars in their film universe that, you know, traditionally produces billion dollar films. Like you look at Beauty and the Beast and Jungle Book and Lion King. These are all some of the biggest films in the last couple of years. And this Mm -hmm. resides in that same space. And so I could see where the it's appetizing to them to maybe test with this one. But 
I don't know, maybe we're just the wrong crowd to be talking about this. Maybe there are people that, well, clearly there were people that were excited to watch this and really want to go out. But I'm going to be super interested to see what Disney says at their earnings call. Like if this takes them from the 65 and by the time the next earnings calls, there are 80 million subscribers to Disney Plus, you're starting to really move the needle there, right? Because that translates into long-term dollars, dollars that you potentially wouldn't see from beyond Mulan, right? And that's really the name of this game is getting that subsurface or subscription service way up. Yeah, my hypothesis for Black Widow is if Mulan did even remotely well, is you'll get a hybrid release. Yeah, like a kind of it's in theaters and then it's on VOD a week or two later type thing. Because it's Disney Plus, I would almost say simultaneously. Interesting. Because I would probably watch it at home then. Like, I I don't know. Who's going to push back on Disney? Like, honestly, AMC or whoever can get their nose bent out of joint as much as they want. What are they going to do when Disney's like, well, we have a Star Wars movie in the hopper. I guess we're not showing it at your theaters. Yeah. Like, it sucks to be you, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I think if Mulan did average, you're going to see some form of that movie getting released that way. With I, I don't think they'll completely forego theatrical, but it'll be both platforms at the same time maybe and off you go well the the next big tester for them here is one woman 84 right Mm -hmm. because those are your two tent poles for 2020 if wonder woman 84 in a covid theatrical experience pulls in a hundred plus million dollar or even gets upwards of 70 you know it's that's not i don't think look at tenant is that unrealistic that one woman could do something 50 to 70 to even you're closer to 100 million should definitely i don't know be better i would say i don't think that's unrealistic at all i think wonder woman especially going off of the last film going off the hype of the joker just dc in general fandom i definitely think wonder woman could uh some kick some butt for sure do do we know if uh james bond is coming out isn't it coming out yeah they yeah, another big cemented one, right? the date yeah, yeah so 20th. that's november it did yeah nice trailer by the way so that's another one to watch out for too Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wonder Woman makes me sad though, because I think that would have been DC's first billion-dollar shoe-in. Like mm-hmm. that would have been just they're they're like they've done it before a couple times, but it's like that one would be no questions asked. You're not kind of watching the ticker, hoping that it stays in theaters a little longer to squeeze out a few more bucks. And it, it would, yeah, it, it would be a shoe-in, like Troy said. That first movie was so well received. The marketing's been on point. Yeah. It's got that vibe that everybody's kind of into. It's like the fun version of that Stranger Things '80s thing going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, you got yeah. Gal, man. Who doesn't love Gal? Yeah, Come on. it's yeah. true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So October second, a few weeks away to the release, and I'm guessing with this Tenant debut that they they're firm on that one. I don't think I don't know if they had a they might have had an internal barrier that tenant had to get over to say yes we're firmly going with Wonder Woman eighty four so we'll see here and I guess in a, a week or so if they they continue to push that October second date that's what we're getting guys Wonder Woman eighty four yeah. well to... the other thing that always gets lost in the sauce is like these movies have been made with money that's been spent for investors and these companies will have to start recouping some of that yeah. investment somehow. And if you just push everything to 2021, 22, you're just going to cannibalize A, your own films, and B, you're going to be fighting with other studios' yeah. products because everybody's going to have a glut of stuff. So it's like Disney especially, and that's why I think Black Widow is coming out this year, 
it's like they're hurting because their theme park business has taken a hit. Mm -hmm. They've invested money in that movie, but as well as like their, their products for their streaming service. So these guys are going to have to start pushing this product out. You take what money you can out of theatrical, take what money you can out of the international box office, and then you're selling this thing. You're selling it on VOD. And then after that, you're using it as a driver for your streaming platform. So that that's the part of it that I think people forget about when they're like, I'd push it to 2021. It needs to make a billion dollars, push the Batman to 2022. It's like that money's been spent and like you... <laughs> You're just paying interest. Yeah. (laughs) You're just paying interest. Well, and 21 is going to look ridiculous too, because you're going to have two years worth of films in one year. So it's going to be like back to back to back to back temples when you go from March onward. And that could be just Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah. (laughs) So you have Universal and Paramount on top of that too. Yeah. Sony. Like it's, (laughs) there's a pile of films still to come out here. And guys, if let's, let's, let's take a little look back here. In January, you know, we just talked about the box office here. We we kicked up the fantasy box office pool, and we had all this excitement for what 2020 was going to bring in film. And and then the pandemic struck, guys, and then we ended up in what we're going to call our new normal, and we found ourselves no longer seeing these films when they're supposed to come out. And so I wanted to take just a quick look into what I've called maybe the Earth One 2020 when we actually were supposed to see all this stuff, but... Did you know by this time we would have seen that new James Bond flick, Black Widow, Wonder Woman 84, Top Gun Maverick, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Free Guy, Morbius, and we would have been in the final stages of building up to Venom 2 and The Eternals, or as it's now called, Eternals. We would have seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier by now, and we'd be in the promo build up to WandaVision. Like, think about that, guys. And this is just in the the nerd space the box that we've carved out ourselves here of films that i would say traditionally that we we talk about a little bit more you know throwing in top gun and and these couple of these other films here and these are most of the films that were on and in our box office pool like just think about that for a second like how different this is from when we first started talking and doing our box office draft in january carlos man like it has to blow your mind what we could have seen by now yeah it's insane and it kind of goes back to my earlier point like all those movies have to come out yeah (laughs) and it's spent money so yeah man it's kind of heartbreaking there's there's a few in there that i would have loved to have seen and experienced like just even troy and i when we went to go see tenant like that top gun trailer on the big screen like yeah like Top Gun is Top Gun for me, yeah. but that was just like, oh, dude, like how how have we not seen this movie yet? Yeah. Just the big bong and the jets taking off. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So there's that one, and like even ones like that you forget about, like Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, completely forgot about that film. <laughs> yeah, the hype was there, and then just nothing, right? So yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a bit sad it's a bit sad because I think 2020 was shaping up to be something special, right? We had like a lot of cool female led properties yeah. coming out because like it was supposed to kick off with birds of prey and then the ghostbusters and wonder woman and black widow and all of it just boards been swept clean. Yeah. Gone, gone. Trey is what was, what's something on here in, in the earth one reality? Mm. Like what's one of these films that 
you really wish we had a scene by now. Oh, it's Black Widow, hands yeah. down, man. I, I was super amped. You know, those trailers were hitting for me on all cylinders, man. Um, I was really looking forward to it. You know, when we got the reveal of, of Taskmaster Master being in this film, um, the whole Widow family looked great. I, I, I've been saying it all along, man. Like, this looks like um, that James Bond Mission Impossible movie that I've always wanted. Uh, it's finally female-led. Like, this looked really, really cool. And, it's, and it had that Winter Soldier vibe. So it's a big bummer that we didn't get it earlier. But... Um, Another one would probably be um, what was it? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. That's kind of getting hyped for. Me too. Um, there was a lot of hype running for me with that film. Yeah, man. There's, there's, there's ah, what a letdown. You know, there's all these good movies that were coming out, like Carlos mentioned, 2020, and um, they just all got shut down. Morbius. Morbius was another one that I had zero interest in, and when I saw the goddamn Batman himself show up at the end of that trailer uh, with Keaton, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Like that had my head spinning because I'm like, well, where does this fit in? Because that that threw a wrench because nobody had. I guess we still don't know, but you know, going into Morbius, we kind of put it together with the Venom universe, and that's that. There's no Tom Holland, but you throw in Keen. I think that elevated it a lot. So it's uh, it's unfortunate that we got to wait a little longer now to see that reveal and where Tom Holland really fits in with the Sony verse and the MCU. I so that's why, that's another one for me, man. Completely forgot well, yeah, about that yeah. Keaton reveal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He ended oh. up taking in the box office pool because <laughs> that trailer, because that trailer dropped yeah, that same day, I think. You see Sparkman pop up in the background, and then you got the Keaton reveal. So I was like, "Whoa, that's that's huge, that's huge." And um, I think it's a missed opportunity, man. So we'll see what happens twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, I guess. But um, I really feel like Sony had something. I know I wasn't the biggest Venom guy, but there's a huge fan base for that movie. Yeah. Um, and Sonny took it the year before, and he actually did quite well off of it. So I know I didn't take Venom 2, but I thought I could kind of ride that that uh, that wagon and take um, Morbius. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, bummer. Yeah. Big time letdown. Yeah, it, uh, it is a shame. Like, there's a lot of really great stuff here. But even on the streaming side of things, Disney+, Plus, we would have either have seen or are just getting ready to see the first couple of episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The, yeah. the next step of my dude Falcon of Sam Wilson – it's, it's gutted me when I was putting this list together and be like, damn, like we would have been either on the threshold of it or just into it seeing yeah. like, you remember that trailer that came out, the Disney plus trailer and all that. And, ah, it's, it's just wrenching me inside that this, this story hasn't been told yet. Be able to well, that's talk. the thing with it. With- with the lack of the the MCU films, you know, MCU has those that yeah. momentum going. So when one film ends, you're ready to see the next thing. But with that absence, you're kind of just like forgetting, or you just kind of lose that interest almost, right? So well, we're, we're like well, a they, year out from our last MCU film, over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they hit it at a bad time, right? Because like Endgame was just such a beautiful <laughs> ribbon tied on the whole thing. Like people could just walk away. Like you needed to keep that train going to the next thing. But you got Endgame, you got your epilogue in Spider-Man Far From Home. And yeah. it's like, is this done? Are we doing more of this? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like this podcast has had 100% more of the Falcon taking over for Captain America than we've seen on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows when that's going to come out? Because that's one thing that I think that Disney Plus has also suffered from. And it might be another reason why Mulan hit it. Is all these original content has been delayed. And so, like, yeah. all these MCU shows, like, Feige stood up there and threw out, like, 10 shows that are coming. And most of it was start to pick up momentum now. And then we would have had this continuum of MCU shows on Disney Plus throughout 2021 and 2022. And now it's all been shoved down. 
we have to wait kind of that extra year or so to really start getting into the MCU side of things on Disney Plus. Because if my opinion right now, the one thing that Disney Plus is suffering from is original content. Yeah, They've got exactly. a fantastic library of, of films from both the Fox side of things and Disney, Marvel stars and all that. But it's that original content that Netflix still, I think, eclipses them on is the production and all that. It's just it seems like it's just taken a lot longer to kind of ramp up the curve. And this whole thing has, has really slowed that down because yeah, they did debut with the Mandalorian. They had a few really cool original shows, but Netflix seems to be coming out with original stuff like every week where this is almost like event style of original content release where it's once a month or so. Um, and yeah. so there's some cool stuff on there, but they're, I think they're really lagging on that department right now. Yeah. yeah they needed Mulan, man. Cause it's just mm-hmm. like, between like Netflix is killing it, but then Amazon Prime and yep. HBO Max has been putting out phenomenal shows. It's like I'm not going to be watching Herbie the Love Bug when no. I can watch Lovecraft <laughs> County. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that yeah. that's what that I think to get the next step for Disney Plus is this stuff to come start coming in original Star Wars. Like they have all these Star Wars shows too, and we're going to talk about Mandalorian here in a few minutes, but. There's all these Star Wars shows that are supposed to be coming out. Like, everything's just been shoved down. So when this whole thing was meant to really start ramping up with that side of things, like, the library gets you in, and the original content yeah. keeps you there. Mm-hmm. And exactly. yeah. that's that's the, the hook, but they don't have the, the longevity built into it yet. Like, we're never going to – like, there's no reason for us not to pay $7 a month to have MCU, Star Wars, and all these films at our fingertips. But for the person that's coming in for – I want to see the Falcon. I want to see the Mandalorian, like the one and all, one and done type of people in a month out a month. They don't have enough stuff to keep you month, 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 and just keep you buying or doing the annual. Being screw it, I'll just pay the annual. And so I think that's where they need to go next. But they need to start seeing some of their big properties debut these shows. Definitely. Yeah. So guys, we're gonna take a quick pit stop here and do a listener question. We don't do a ton of these, but like I said at the top, our good friend Kyle from over the Tumbling Saber. Make sure we we'll go check those guys out. He tossed us a voicemail here. So we're going to play that voicemail, and then we are going to throw it back and forth, roundtable the question a little bit here, guys, and break it down because it's. I listened to it. It's a lot of fun, and we appreciate the efforts here, Kyle. So I'm going to pop in the voicemail right here, guys, and then we will pick it up here in just a minute. Hello, my dudes at the Nerd Room. It's Kyle from Tumbling Saber. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I got something for you guys this week, uh, and I'm hoping that uh, it results in me not feeling alone, stranded on the island of questionable taste and poor judgment. Uh, So my question is, I want you guys to list off uh, a comic book series, a TV show, one that you really liked, that you eventually fell off of. So for me, I've never been able to stick with the Amazing Spider-Man comic book series for very long, and I know they're always good. And I can just never stick with it. I don't know why. It Maybe it's just the overwhelm of two per month and it's just it's always so much and it leaves no room for anything else. I don't know, but I can never stick with it. And I, that's on me, totally. Uh, and otherwise on TV, I used to love The Walking Dead. It was so compelling. I was hooked, hooked. And mid-season breaks were a killer and I just fell off and never got it back. So those are two things that I thought were great that I just didn't keep up with. And then on the flip side, I also want to know of something that was so bad and you knew it was bad, but you couldn't turn away. So whether it's, you know, comic book and let's stick to comic books and TV shows. I stuck it out with Gotham. Gotham, the TV show, beginning to end, 
didn't miss a week, didn't miss an episode. My wife and I just hung in there season after season, looking at each other going, why are we doing this? <laughs> and yet we'd go back for more. And by the end of it, we we're like, that was so stupid. <laughs> but, but we have fond memories of it anyway. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah. Anyway, like I said, please don't leave me out there on the island of, uh, of, poor, of uh, poor judgment and questionable taste or whatever it was. Uh, looking forward to your stories, guys. Let me have it. All right, guys, we are back again. Thank you, Kyle, for that question. I love the idea of the island of questionable taste and poor judgment. So Kyle here wants us to list a comic and TV show that we really liked but could never really continue the momentum behind it. We really fell off with that. He gave examples of the Amazing Spider-Man comic book series and Walking Dead, two properties that he struggled with, even though they are quality properties, he struggled to keep motivated to reading and watching and then we're also going to discuss the inverse of that stuff that is just awful or not great but we are committed to it from day one and we had to really plow through it so his example there was of course gotham he committed day one and he got through that i didn't myself but i watched the first couple seasons but i never really got through that so here we are the island of questionable taste and poor judgment guys we're not going to leave kyle here stranded all by himself. We're going to kick it off with the good, with the great. So, Carlos, my dude, I'm going to throw it to you first. Let's talk about a show that was great, something that you really wanted to consume, but for whatever reason, you just couldn't continue with it. You just couldn't find that that drive to keep watching this. We'll start with the TV show, and then we'll go to comic book. Uh, you know what? For me, it's going to be Westworld for a TV show. Like, started off strong compelling stuff going on like phenomenal performances and then season two i just it was starting to feel kind of like a chore but like i'd catch a bit of an episode and the production values were on point they're doing things that you don't see on tv the performances are next level and then by the time season three rolled around i think it took me four days to get through that first episode of season three <laughs> and it just died on the vine for me. I I don't know what the deal is, but it just just couldn't hold me. But I couldn't tell you what's wrong with the show. Like it, it's always had the apex production values, all star cast, really well written, very layered to keep you engaged. But uh, yeah, I just couldn't keep up in Westworld. Couldn't make my way through the maze. <laughs> yeah, I've heard good things. I've never watched it myself. But maybe I'm looking for new shows here, but I'm afraid almost to dip into something that has long-term commitment to it because <laughs> there's so much other stuff coming here. And just as we got through saying, hey, there's we're missing some stuff. But Troy, man, what about you? What's something that a TV show that you, you thought was, was awesome, but yeah. you just couldn't work up the, the energy to finish it off? Man, I'm going to uh, Flash, Greg Gustin's Flash, CW. I love, love that show. Still do. I, I stuck with it strong for, I think, the first two seasons. And for whatever reason it was, maybe it's because um, Barry Allen just kept making the same mistakes going back in time and screwing everything up. But I just... <laughs> just Classic um, Flash trope. <laughs> I, just, I just fell off. I love the cast. Um, I think the effects for CW was okay. We got a lot of uh, daylight shots which was unheard of for something coming out of the Arrowverse. um i think they did things better than arrow arrow season one and season two was phenomenal but i think later on because the flash was introduced later it did some really cool things and um the villain 
was fantastic. And then for whatever reason, again, I don't know if it was the um, the time travel over and over again, or everybody got powers in that show, but oh, I start to fall yeah. off a little bit. And uh, it's unfortunate because I really would like to finish that show, even if it's uh, it's had its bad seasons. I really, really do enjoy that cast. And I've never been the biggest Flash guy apart from um, uh, Flashpoint. So uh, that's that's something I want to get back into, man. I, I really, really enjoy that show. Yeah. Yeah. Especially where they've gone with the multiverse now, right? Like it almost yeah. made you want to buy into it even more. Well, yeah. I mean, I like that Flash so much that it makes it hard for me to <laughs> get on board <laughs> with uh, the, uh, I don't know, what, what would you call them? The, the, the DCEU Flash, if he even is the Flash anymore still. I don't know what's going on with that guy. But it's made it hard for me to like that Flash in the movie universe. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ride or die when it comes to Grant Gustin's uh, Barry Allen. That's for sure. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, man. For mine to keep it in the superhero space, it was Agents of Shield. Uh, yes. I was a diehard for this show, and the I, I bought in fully to it's all connected and the fact that Coulson was coming back and these allusions to things that were going on in the MCU. And by the time I think I got to about season four or so, it just fell off for me. I just couldn't and didn't want to keep up with it. And yes, it's one of those sometimes freak of the week type of shows and it did drag in points, but I was always super committed and liked the concepts behind it. And they pulled in um, the ghost rider. What was his name? Robbie Reyes. Reyes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was really well done. And quake. I liked the character and I'd read the comics that she was introduced in. And so I always liked the concept, and Coulson was always a big pull for me too. I really enjoyed what they did there, and all the Hydra stuff was really well done. But I just couldn't get back onto it, and then I see because it just wrapped up. I think season eight was its final season there, and everyone I saw was talking quite highly of Agents of Shield into the season. Now they had gone cosmic and all this, which seems extremely appealing to me, and they had brought in the Inhumans in a big way. But for whatever reason, I just I couldn't do it. Like it's it's very much catered to people like me, and I just couldn't continue with it. So it's it's a big regret of mine that I didn't and wasn't able to to finish Agents of Shield. I just I don't know. Maybe someday I'll go back and do it if it pops on to Disney Plus. And on there yet? I don't think so. I don't because it was an ABC show, so technically they should own it. Right. Um. Yeah. But Hulu maybe. Hulu, yeah, maybe. Okay. But now it's all wrapped up. It seems like a nice package to drop onto one of these services, either Hulu or that. So maybe someday. An honorable mention for me also is Game of Thrones, man. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through it. I yeah. got to season three. And I can't remember if it was the season four or season three yeah. season or the, the premiere. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I, I took too big of a break from this. I don't know who it is. All the guys with beards look the same. I can't remember <laughs> what family's what. Like, where's Aquaman? And so <laughs> I was just like, I'm piecing out from this. Like, I can't, I can't, I gotta either convince my wife to watch it with me from start to finish, or it's just something that I'm gonna have this like perpetual regret for not watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how about a comic book here? Let, let's toss this around again, Carlos, man. What about a comic book that heaped praise on? You love the run, but you just could never pick it up from the bottom of your stack. Man, I'm going to go exactly where you finished off, where it's like, this is great, I love it, but I just can't remember all the nuances of what's going on, and I took too long a break. Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Hmm. That thing was awesome. 
like so well written, so compelling, amazing character work. But it just like it was taking me so much time to just catch up because I had such big gaps between reading the various trades and when I tried to pick up the single issues that I eventually just like and during like the big reveal and one of the first climaxes for the book, I was just like, ah, sod it. I can't. I can't be bothered to try and keep up with this thing. Like either, either I'm all in or I'm all out and I'm all out. I'll catch you on the flip <laughs> is, side. Is that with my, my favorite artist, um, Oatly is doing amazing right now. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. It was him. I, I like his stuff. I really yeah. like his Spider-Man stuff, yeah. but yeah, I, I can see why. Yeah. Um, you don't like him. He's not John Romita Jr. for sure. But uh, yeah, speak about I him can't... in a few minutes here. <laughs> he, can't, he has a hard time for me. It's the, it's the teeth. He can't draw teeth. He can't draw hands. Oh, those, those yeah. things just they drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah. And that's the time he had that. Like, <laughs> Go on. What a thing to, see, to really pick out and just be like, "This drives me nuts." Why does his teeth look like that? <laughs> it's all I see in, his, in, in, in the Spider Man. It's all I see is just just teeth. The, like yeah. Commercial. yeah no, I get it, man. That's that's like Howard Porter on Justice League. It's like, why does everybody look like they have corn on the cob in their mouth? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, Troy. But how about you? A comic book series that unreal, but couldn't stick with it. You know what? I had a hard time with this, so I um I kind of cheated. Um, it's a mismatch. I read this comic book. Um, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. Uh, it's God of War, so I'm going from comic book to video game, and I know everybody out there, Dalton uh, especially, has been telling me you got to play God of War, you got to play God of War, and uh, I played every single God of War game, and I've loved them, I've loved them, and they released one on the PS4. I got the comic book, it's a prelude, and I was like, this is awesome, this is great. Picked up the controller, I made it for like my first couple fights, and I said, like, this is fantastic, and I just never been able to go back to it. And I think even going into our um, starting off this year podcasting one of my um one of my goals was to beat this game and i still have not touched this game so i'm <laughs> very disappointed in myself because it's so good it's sitting right there underneath my, my tv stand and i just i have not touched it so and it's not even very long man <laughs> it's not really long either right i mean the, the gameplay is phenomenal the graphics are great i'm a big fan of greek mythology even though i know in this time it goes more like north mythology and it's it's it looks so cool and i'm just kicking myself every time and when i have the chance to play it something else pops up like like the avengers game or something else right so um that's kind of the thing if i can use the the comic book to get myself into the video game here that's where i'm going that's the one i just i love i just can't finish it just can't finish it it's it's always so tough like <laughs> and I, I had a hard time with this one as well because yeah. i'm kind of the in and out of a comic book i won't like if it's if it's great, I'll stick with it. But if it's not, I kind of just dump it. But one I had a really hard time with, and this will jaw drop you there, Troy, is Jason Aaron's Thor. The God oh, Butcher story. Really? Okay. Man, I love this story. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love what he did with Thor here because it sets up even everything we're, we're reading right now. Everything. Yeah. I, I've, I've eventually finished it, and that's why nice. I'm kind of cheating it on, on this a little <laughs> bit. But. It took me way too long to read this run. Way too mm. long. Like where I was still pulling issues and they'd stack up five, six, seven issues. And I just, yeah. I started reading it and I, there's nothing wrong with it. I love the art, the kind of that pastel version of what they're yeah. doing. And then like the, 2015 Civil War Secret Wars, right? Yeah. Artists, I think. Yeah. 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 
and the the concept and what they're doing turning thor in his head a little bit there doing the three timelines yeah such a cool story yeah. and it really propels thor in the comic book world to the forefront and and drives him for the next three four years this mm-hmm. one story but it took me so long to get through it and i do not know why i still to this day do not have an answer as to why I could not get into that, even though every time I read it, I loved it. Everyone that read it, has read this has loved it. And it just, I don't know what it was, man. But that's that's the series that is, it's awesome. Once I finished it, I was happy yeah. I did. But it was a slog for me. That's no I think you're lying about finishing it, because I was watching Troy's body language, and he looked like he was going to log off forever <laughs> when you said that you didn't like Jason Aaron's Thor run. It's not that I didn't I was, like it. It just yeah. was hard to get through for you some You know what, reason. though? I was, I was kind of the same. I know when I started that, because I've never been a Thor guy until that book, and I was Me reading too, it, same. and it's really wordy. Like, when you read, um, what's his name right now, uh, Yates, that's doing the Thor run, Yeah, it's it's pretty quick. Um, yeah. but when I was reading Jason Aaron's, it was very like that Game of Thrones like manner, like how yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. talking, and after a while I'm kinda like, oh, but it's so good. But after a while it would kind of get to me a little bit if that makes any sense. Because I, I struggled a little bit. And then eventually I was like, okay, put down everything else, just just plow through this book and mm-hmm. I'm gonna absorb it, I'm gonna love it. But it's just really wordy and just like the uh the mannerisms, the language is how, yeah. how he's talking a little because they yeah. really lean into that language of thor too right and i guess yeah, yeah. when you compare in contrast to what we read now because right now yeah. it's all about the art in that thor book too. yes yeah. it's so good yeah. it's so visual yeah um, because they're like it's more of the cosmic scale of things and so you need that mm-hmm. visualization which is really cool so all right yeah. guys let's throw this on its head let's inverse this a little bit something that we'll do a comic and we'll start with a tv show and then we'll do a comic again but something that you knew was awful or you knew wasn't great wasn't up to the standards that you like but you were committed to it. You were committed to it. I'll start this one off. And this is almost the inverse of my TV show from before. It was Marvel's Inhumans. Mm. Man, I I watched this thing. I think it was only eight or ten episodes. And after the first episode, I was like, what is happening here? I don't like... Because you remember, too, when this all came, there was so much hype. They threw it in the theaters. The first two episodes were in the theaters and IMAX. And we're like, okay, if it's getting an IMAX debut, this thing must be movie quality. <laughs> and it, it, the characters didn't land, the story, the set, like all of it. It just didn't work. And it, it really hampered the Inhumans. Like they are getting a huge push at this time in the comic books. They were really placing them to be the MCU replacements for the X-Men at the time. Like mm. with the power sets and everything. They're, like that to me is what, in my mind, at least they were doing at Marvel is like the Inhumans are now the X Men. That's you know you can ride similar power sets. You can have a simple explanation for their birth, and they did that in Agents of Shield with the Terrigen Mist and the Terrigen Bomb and all this stuff. But this iteration of it, like they're gonna have a hard time going back to what, or at least go back to this property because of this. Like the fact that Black Bolt wasn't bald, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. just. Yeah. Like, remember Vin Diesel was supposed to play him and all this. Oh and, yeah, shoot. So yeah, the Inhumans property and that Marvel's Inhumans. I can't even remember what year it came out, but I got through the whole thing. But man, I had to like toothpick my eyes open, tape my eyes open to get through it. It just just didn't work at all for me. So that that's my TV show. What about you, Carlos? Fed. Oh man, like you talk about that obligation watch, and I am ashamed, like straight up ashamed to say. But it also entitles me to fight with any jabroni on Twitter that wants to say that it's good. 
I watched Gotham from beginning <laughs> to end. And it, that show has its defenders, but it is hot garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> like everything. It, like from like the ridiculous choices to put like the close-up cam on Jim Gordon while he's running around to the last episode putting a fat suit on the guy that plays the penguin. Like it like it was awful just awful like it was hyper serious and super violent but then ultra campy at the same time and they didn't know what they were doing and with their timeline the joker was going to be 75 by the time batman (laughs) suits up for the first time it's awful like and i'll be honest like part of it was just uh was just sheer force of will because my wife was like, this is the most terrible thing you've ever watched in our household. And I was like, no, I got, I got to power through. I got to do this. I, I have to have to absorb all the Batman content. Cause that's, that is what I do. <laughs> I, uh, I, I absorb Batman content and I absorb that one. And I'm a, I'm a poor man for it. Let me tell you, <laughs> because it, it had a few, few charms like the young lady that played selena kyle was great alfred was cool but you, you but... mean that 10 year old batman didn't work for you <laughs> oh he, he was awful like just and the kid that played him was neat but if you're gonna make that show then make that show and you don't have the the batman villain showing up and like all the winks and nods to stuff i was just waiting for like the grayson couple to end up breaking down in front of Wayne Manor and copulating so that Dick Grayson was like on the scene like (laughs) baby Dick Grayson (laughs) yeah it just it was so one day you'll be my ward baby (laughs) yeah I don't I don't understand it like it it was just it's so utterly terrible but hilariously the same showrunner went and he made a Pennyworth TV show and he's like this old timey World War II vet British spy, um, and it's phenomenal. It's so good. Oh, but, they did make that show. It did come out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if you okay. and we get it on like our, because I think the three of us have the same cable subscription. If you just Google Pennyworth or search Pennyworth, it comes up and it's all on demand, and it's oh. really good. Like, it takes place in post World War Two England, and it's like lots of spies and trying to topple the crown and all that kind of stuff. And the Waynes are in it, but. Like they totally lean into it being a multiverse kind of thing, whereas Gotham didn't. Gotham's like, no, no, this is the real Batman. This is just like, no, it, it can't be what you know. So just go with it. And yeah, they did cool stuff. And now it's the same Pennyworth. What's that? Sorry, it's it's meant to be the same Pennyworth, just like younger. Like he's just a spy. He's, he's just starting out. No, kind of thing. no, all completely different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But the actor that plays Alfred is he's really good, and and he's uh, he's a baller man. Like he's. Nice. Uh, it's cool. Like I, I didn't expect to like it at all. And I had a buddy who, uh, him and his wife really like kind of the British dramas and British sitcoms and stuff. And he all but forced me to watch it. But yeah, we were both hooked from the from the pilot on. So nice. yeah, it's worth uh, worth a look. Pennyworth. Okay, interesting. All right. So at least something good came of that. What about you, Troy? Man, what about uh, what's the show that just couldn't uh... stop watching? The Car Wreck. You know what? I, it, I'm so up and down with this one, and I think season two came. Season two definitely came out, but I just I just couldn't do it. But I did finish season one, if that counts. And I'm gonna have to go to Titans, man. 
Titans for me, it's like I have a love hate relationship with it. I, I love it because it's like that's that's Robin, that's Dick Grayson. Um, you know, it's it's his show. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not Robin, it's not Dick Grayson, it's it's, it's somebody <laughs> so else. It's like a Red Hood, Jason Todd knockoff. It's it's weird. It's uh, it has a very I don't mean any disrespect when I'm talking to like fan-made films, but it, it looks like it was like kind of like a college project. It doesn't look like CW has like that nice, nice like glossiness over it. Um, when you look at like um, the Netflix series of like Punisher or Daredevil, it has like that kind of gritty, cool, like look. Um, this doesn't look that great to me. The effects were kind of off. Some of the actors and actresses just made in Canada, good. baby. That's uh, that's totally what felt. it is. That's totally what the felt. problem is. <laughs> it's got that Degrassi lens on it. What? What's? The, why do they use those lenses yeah. in Canada only? Like every yeah. Canadian show looks like it was filmed by with a soap opera lens. <laughs> it's that lens, man. It's that lens, and and then the, and then that Batman. Like that, they totally miscast the Batman <laughs> Bruce Wayne from Game of Thrones. I have no idea what he was doing in that role in that cowl. Um, it just it is this this weird dark tone on the Titans that just didn't make any sense. It wasn't really necessary. Is like a '90s thing trying to do something really cool and gritty, and it's just it just didn't really work for me. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Titans, man. I forced my way through. There were some okay episodes. I really liked um, Jason Todd. Actually, he was actually my standout through that whole thing. But um, I, I'm gonna have to go with that. It's it's a love hate thing, but more hate, man. Hate to say. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a tough yeah. one too, right? Especially when yeah. it's your dude in in the yeah. on the s- small screen. Ah, it's a tough yeah. one. But uh, all right, let's start this up with uh, some comic books here. Now, I had a hard. This is the one I had the hardest time with because I find I don't really power through much. If I'm not loving a comic book, I don't have uh, any issue dropping it and then maybe picking it back up and trade later if I hear good things. But the one I did power through. And the author at this point escapes me, but I will never forget who drew this. And that was J.R.J., man. My man. <laughs> and it was the Dimension Z cap run. Oh, I've talked about it a lot in the past, but I powered through this thing where Cap is off in a different dimension and he get, has a son. He's there so long. The art. The art, man. It, you didn't like that wet or bleeding where it's just no. like his face looks like it's melting all the time? And he ends up with <laughs> uh, the chest piece in. Like yeah. from, uh, what's not, it's not Zemo, is it? Yeah. Not Zemo. Um, no, Zola, isn't it? Zola, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, so ch- and at one point he pulls it out and he's bleeding, but it looks like his entire body came out. And it just when he has the beard and the hair and then... And it led then it led to him losing his powers later on in that run. Right. It just I powered through it. I have every single issue, <laughs> <laughs> but every time I picked up the read, I was like, "I'm doing this for Cap. I'm doing this for Cap." <laughs> I wrote that one. I, I to be honest with you, I meant to look it up before. I'll look it up here in a second, but I could off the top of my head I couldn't tell you. Like I've completely put this thing as far back as I can. But to be honest with you, it's one of the stories I remember the most because it's a story you're reading because you you want to get through it to get to the next part. But I can I can there's specific things I remember, like when they introduced his son and certain avenues and then Sharon gets chucked in there for a while and she comes back and she's old. She's old. The sun ages up. But then he just disappeared. disappeared yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's my run. It's yeah. It's one that's how, uh, 
that that action figure though, man. If they even did an action figure with like the long hair cap and like the beat up costume and like that, yeah, that like, pistol thing he had in the shield. Oh, it looks there's so cool. some cool elements of it if it yeah. was just drawn differently. <laughs> <laughs> like I think if the art was captivating, I probably could have bought into the story more. Yeah, yeah, but like I just didn't like where I'd taken Cap and I had removed him so far from the Captain America that I know and love. Sure. And I'm okay with them doing crazy stuff. Like I love secret empire and all that, but this was just like, you've taken them completely out and just throw them into this thing. And these monsters that were there too, yeah. I, the design was awful and it was just, it was weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Couple yeah. months in Captain America. It's, it's, it's almost like a silver surfer story. Like it's, it just cap had no business being in that kind of dimension. I yeah, guess. it yeah. was. Yeah, you could have thrown. I don't even know who you can throw. Maybe Silver Surfer, but it's just it just didn't work on any yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> what about you, Carlos? Ah, uh, for me, I powered through beginning to end, and I don't know why because I couldn't tell you that there was a good issue in the entire run. But Marvel's RoboCop series, like I just love that character and I love that movie so much that I bought every single issue of that book and i'll tell you right now to, though yeah there wasn't a single good one the art was always good <laughs> but i'm kind of stuck in this vortex right now because tim your journey with that captain america book that's exactly <laughs> where i am with bendis's superman Ooh, and like it's just not doing it for me but i just love soup so much i gotta keep going and trying to give him a chance but issue 25 is coming up here and like for a while, the sweet Ivan Reese art was getting me through. But then as though Bendis to just personally give me the kick to the junk, he brings in one John Romita Jr. Ah, as is. his penciler. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, I think we could get our kids together and be like, hey, draw Superman and Lois and one of them could conceivably come up with a better picture than the stuff that's in the panels of that oh, last issue yeah. of action. Dude. <laughs> I've read Superman for a lot of years and there's a couple times I was tempted to just toss a picture into the DM and be like, this is the worst picture of the last son of Krypton I've seen in my life. And I've seen a lot of them. It's so <laughs> funny though. It's so funny. Cause, cause like it, for me, it was John Romano when he came on with, uh, man of tomorrow or whatever new 52 and i was like i'm getting superman and like there's some cool <laughs> images of him like a silhouette and he's like holding up the car it's like a throwback and there's like the laser eyes and he had like, that new power the solar flare and i was like i love it <laughs> but i totally get it i totally get why you're like no, no. <laughs> oh, man but yeah, I, like, I can sympathize with you man if they're, if they're worried about like the comic book industry and like what's keeping people uh, like out of the comic book shops and why they're losing so many fans i think it's john Romita jr to be oh. honest with you on all these books i probably agree place. with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> the avengers the basic spider-man fantastic four my, my first experience with his art was avengers vs x-men yeah he PBX, did that yeah. i believe and yeah. but all his faces look the same i can't tell yeah. the difference between anyone <laughs> i think it's just because he's fast right so he gets all these projects maybe yeah he turns it over fast unless he's working with uh Miller, right? Frank Miller, because he takes his time. No. (laughs) On to you, man. I I, I can't take up any more time. Either Um, that, I'm going to have an aneurysm. (laughs) We're having fun with this, guys. For those listeners, we're positive guys, but we can have some fun with some of this sometimes. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) 
No, and I'm going with uh, 2011 and 2012's um, Indestructible Hulk. I'm, again, I mean, mm. with Hulk, I didn't have much knowledge of him apart from the cartoons, uh, Planet Hulk, World War, World War Hulk. But um, there was something about the cover of Indestructible Hulk 2011. Uh, I think it's Jason Aaron that did that one. And I was like, whoa, this looks cool. This is the first time I was fooled by, like, don't judge a book by its cover because the, the cover was hot. And then the book was nonsense. The The premise was like Hulk and Bruce Banner have separated. and But Bruce is actually like the evil scientist. And Hulk's actually like, man, just leave me alone. But Bruce wants to get back with him. And it is it is so weird, so jacked up. The art's, the art's not bad, but there's some really weird like imagery that just does not work at all. You'd, you'd have to check out the book to know what I'm talking about. Experiments being done on animals, these beast creatures that just, it was weird. And I stuck with it, man, until the, the all new, no, it wasn't all new, the Marvel Now uh, initiative took effect. And then you started the series, but it's still indestructible. And I think that was now Mark Wade, or I had it in reverse. Mark Wade did the first one, Jason Aaron did the second, whatever the case is, both talented writers. And this is when Hulk kind of had like the cool big purple suit that they were kind of pushing for a little bit in the comic books. I don't know why Hulk needs armor, much like I don't know why Superman needs armor. But it was uh, is a weird concept. And again, the book, I just kept pushing through. And I was like, this is not right. I don't care for like this evil <laughs> Bruce Banner. Like Bruce Banner just shouldn't be an evil scientist. I don't I don't I don't really get it. So um, that was a book that I had a lot of hate on. And um, and currently I'm struggling like Tim. I, I feel your pain like Caps, you're a dude. Spider-Man is my guy, and I, I, you're, I'm going through Dimension Z and X and Y right now. This is this is killing me. <laughs> this book is killing me, man. I think like every time I pick it up, I consult Carlos here, and I, I shed my feelings about this book, and it's just it's tearing me up, man. I think we're into, I don't know, issue 48, close to 50, and we still have no idea who this big bad is that they've been setting up since, um, well, issue 800. Um, it's it's horrible in my opinion. I, I don't like the art by any means. I don't like the next Nick Spencer humor that he's been thrown in there that's borrowed from Ant Man. It's like hilarious. Saga. <laughs> I, I I love I know when Troy's picked up his copy of Amazing Spider Man because I get this DM. It's like I'm his counselor and I gotta get him like I gotta get him ready to go through to walk through the valley. <laughs> Just bring it down, sir. Oh, yeah. Okay, the, the, these are gonna be the rough points. Oh, and it's just... <laughs> Honestly, like if I could go back to like 94, 93 and bring back like Kane and Ben Riley's clone saga, I would do it in a heartbeat over this run. Like that's that's how I low I set this this book right wow. now. It's yeah, man. Take me well, back to the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> I was like legit worried when like that those Sin Eater issues hit the shelves because I was like, dude, this guy wasn't like in the book before these issues hit. I can only imagine. Yes. Oh. The city, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. These last couple have been rough. Like the yeah. last four, with like the yeah, the pet, yeah. and then to, oh, to go goodness. for to go from that into the city. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I I think they're personally. I think Nick Spencer listens to the show. He he's like, I'm gonna show that Troy guy. He yeah. he, he thought that my Craven storyline was bad. <laughs> you just wait. man. (laughs) He's trolling us, man. (laughs) Man, he praised that on for years for the Captain Sam Wilson stuff that he did. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed that, like, from the little bits I read with, like, Secret Empire. And like Mm -hmm. I mentioned to Grabs, like, I love what he did from the little bit I read of uh, Staunchine 
Ant-Man. Yeah, I read this that book. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Some All right, well, well, there it is, guys. That is a lot of fun to pull that together. We'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say. And a big shout-out to Kyle for, for tossing it our way. So we got some Mandalorian to talk about here, guys. This episode might go a tad long, but that's okay. We're having lots of fun here. So, guys, let's talk about the Mandalorian. First things first, we got a debut date, October 30th. 2020 Mandalorian is coming to us first episode it does say new episode streaming on October 30th so I don't know if that means multiple episodes in the first or if that just means the new episodes are going to start streaming on October 30th as they did for season one we got a new title card with this we've got the Mandalorian and the child's looking great blue backdrop here very very exciting and we've been anticipating a trailer guys for this we're less than or just over a month out and we have yet to see live action footage of The Mandalorian Season 2, which is a bit surprising to me. But first, we got to get our EW spread. You know, they got to they gotta do it as they do. And the EW spread has been something that, that Disney and Star Wars Lucasfilm have been using for years to kind of really kick off that promo campaign for their next property, giving us some insight and some interviews into The Mandalorian Season 2 here so let's talk about the spread guys we've got some some photos here some exciting photos really focused in and around pedro pascal's the mandalorian here and we get some nice looks at grief cargill moff gideon as well as cara do now we'll talk about some of the quotes as we go through this but troy yeah, the man. mandalorian here we're getting a great couple of looks at the beskar mando his, mm. his his outfit his look here he's all nice and shined up you know i'm really pining for that action figure he's got the nice insignia on his shoulder in one of the first images we see here this is meant to take up like right after season one as per john favreau so we're not seeing much of an evolution at least what i can see from these photos of this suit but we didn't get to spend much time with him in action in this suit and you can no. see one of the images, too. He's got the, the rocket launcher as per the, the Boba Fett on his back, or per the Mandalorians, I should say, on his back here. So how are you feeling about the look of Mandalorian, the Mandalorian here, from these first shots? Yeah, man. Mando! Yes. <laughs> I'm feeling... Um... <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was jamming out to Carl Weathers the other day. Carlos knows what I'm talking about. Guy can yeah, sing. baby. <laughs> Guy can sing. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to start with Carl Weathers. You know what? <laughs> Just looking at his costume right now, it's it looks like um Anakin's from the Clone Wars, like right underneath like, like the that. Red. Yeah, the red, the blue, it's like the glove, it's it's kind of like Anakin. So that's that's kind of a cool nod if that's what they're going for. But um I just love this ragtag group of these characters. I love the position that we got Mando in, that armor is looking nice. I wonder if we're gonna get more upgrades probably to sell those toys. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um maybe we'll get a toy too of um of Carl Weathers as well. Gina Carano looks pretty oh, much yeah. the same. Yeah, exactly um, the same. Exact same. So maybe she'll get another look later on. Just, again, you got to push those toys. But I really like everything that I see, man. I mean, it looks fresh. I like that one picture that we have of Mando kind of posted up on the wall, just chilling with um, yeah. with the child. Like he's, he's about to spit some lines at somebody. Um, looks good. Looks yeah. really good, man. I'm I'm all in it. This this spread itself, like the entertainment week. Sorry, are we going through order here? Are we just talking about one photo at a time or it doesn't matter. Just, just talking about as a whole. As as a whole. Yeah, no, the, the entertainment weekly cover itself with um, oh, yes. the child. You gotta market that, right? The, yeah, hundred percent. Huge hit. Huge hit. Um it, it looks good. I, I really like what we see. It's just I'm like you, man. I need I need that trailer. I wanna yeah. see that trailer right now. 
Got to yeah. see Roland. Like this is, I guess, whets the appetite a little bit. It gives you yeah. some insight and it gives us the indication that it is indeed coming. But it's nice to see some of these season two photos. The thing is, you take out Carl Weathers' character here, and this these could be from season one, like these images. Exactly. To be <laughs> so they're not <laughs> yeah, revealing yeah. much, which is good, right? It's like yeah. we're not getting a new Mando suit. They were like, oh, we're anticipating this. Like, let's get to that point. And so it's yes. great. And like Carl Weathers here, I like like grief cargo. Like I love the character from season one, and I agree with yes. you, man. He looks great here going yeah. forward and he looks like he's he's taken up he's got some some quotes here that we'll talk about just briefly about him kind of taking up a, a better path and looks like in some capacity teaming back up here with the mandalorian and cara dune which is which looks pretty cool so i'm excited for that i'm excited for those three characters but carlos man the mandalorian the best guard mando specifically is going to be your first foray once we get our hands on this at some point into the black series so you yeah, got to be man. loving these images you're seeing here of the Mandalorian. Dude, like I wasn't exaggerating when I said I was walking around the mall doing the stupid song as, a, yeah. as I'm <laughs> hunting for that figure. Like I'm hyped for this show coming out. Um, yeah, it looks cool. Like I, I like the redemption arc that grief is going to go on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like the it wasn't much of a shot, but a shot of um, Moff Gideon. Yes totally brought my hype level to another level because yeah like the the dark saber story and we'll get an insight more as to what's happening with the remnants of the empire and uh yeah like yeah probably the thing i'm most excited about is that there's no or a minimal time jump between season mm-hmm. one and season two because um unlike stuff like titans where they have this awkward jumping off point i thought Mando did a great job with having a very concise first season, but w- making you want more right from that point going forward, right? They they didn't plant seeds that needed to bear fruit later on, and they didn't end it off so that they have to come up with some cockamamie way to get you to watch season two. It was, it was a perfect run for a first season of a show. So I'm excited to see where the adventure takes these characters and stuff like this and the new kind of quasi family that the Mando and the child have cobbled together for themselves. So yeah, man, I'm all in. I'll yeah. be, I'm excited to watch it day one this time. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun chronicling this in the podcast too, yes. and getting through this and just going through and, and just having some fun breaking this thing down. Now, if you go into the guts of this EW spread, the images are one thing, and those are the things that are really floating around and and getting a lot of buzz over Twitter and that. But you get into the guts of this thing, and there's some interesting tidbits that we're just going to pull out and talk through here in a bit of detail. And just to your point, Carlos, about it being a very concise, focused story in Season 1, what they've afforded themselves by giving us a season one like that, that sets the foundation for this whole thing is the ability to expand. And we've had all these rumors, right? We're talking about Ahsoka being in this. We're talking about Timur Morris and reprising his role as potentially Rex or Jane or uh, Boba Fett in some capacity, Katie Sackoff, maybe as Bo-Katan. Like there's all these random characters that we're talking about coming into this and really blowing up this season and i think that's one thing that favreau really alludes to and says directly in this article is that the new season is about to introduce a much larger story you know that first season being isolated this thing now allows us to expand and tell more of the growth around the star wars and the post return of the jedi world which is super exciting he's saying like everything gets bigger the stakes get higher 
And the personal story is still there, though, between the child and the Mandalorian, something that we all grew to love. And Gina Carrero here, even in this interview, says and makes comment on all those rumors, Ahsoka and Tamora Morris and all that. She says, some are true, some are not. Mm. So that could just be a leading line here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could all be true. But it's exciting and, and, and to hear that we're going to get a more expansive story. Now, Troy, going from having a focused story in The Mandalorian and building up the whole Mando lore, I'm saying that Mando lore, <laughs> and also The Mandalorian himself, his story, but now expanding and, and maybe doing a Gina Carrero, Cara Dune focused episode, a grief focused mm. episode. We're also building all the stuff in the background. You know, Floney later on leads into this saying, or maybe it was Favreau saying that, you know, how the world was so much captivated with this style of storytelling in Game of Thrones, where you could follow multiple storylines mm. in parallel and they all come together. They seem to be alluding to that style of storytelling a bit more in here, where it's less focused primarily on the Mando, but his story is still the, the primary focus. But you're getting exploration of all these different characters. And this is what we could see from the inclusion of characters like Ahsoka and all that, is that you get this these side stories and they all converge into something bigger. Is that appealing to you or do you or would you prefer something that's a bit more streamlined and telling a singular narrative? No, I love this. I love this approach, especially when we're getting characters like an Ahsoka that we know so much of her history. Mm. We, we know, I'm assuming Rex, so we know so much of his history. The Sabre itself, we know so much of that history, but we don't know who's been holding it for quite some time. So it'll be really cool to see where that thing's been, how long has um, Moff Gideon had this thing for. It'll be cool to see where Ahsoka's gone after Rebels. Um, has she already she already gotten Ezra along with us, Bean, or have they not quite made that mission, or have they failed? Um, so many different avenues they can go. Her and Rex obviously met up at some point. If if it's Rex, um, if it's Boba Fett, that's a whole other you know can mm-hmm. of worms. What the heck is this guy doing? Both. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, no, I love this idea. And I feel like, you know, that's the beauty of TV storytelling, where you can spend more time exploring individual characters' uh, yeah, stories. for sure. Um, unlike when it comes to movies, I'm not going to mention any movies, but there have been other movies in the Star Wars universe that we haven't had enough time to explore mm-hmm. these characters. So it's really cool that this show is taking that opportunity to do it with. And uh, listen, when you got someone like Favreau, and obviously Filoni behind it. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing we have more Deborah Chow too, directing as well, right? In this season I'm two? I'm not she... sure if she's back. I would say yes. Like she should yeah. be shooing for coming back. She, yeah, because she's doing all Obi-Wan. I know that. But I yeah. thought she was incredible. So yeah. I'd love I know to have Carl, her. Carl Weathers is directing an episode. Right, right. Yeah, in this I hope one. he sings on the score too, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. You do that guy's voice. <laughs> Robert but, uh, Rodriguez no, I... is, is in it too, so... Yeah, no, I I like it, man. I really like that idea. And it's cool. You know, like even when you go from like a new hope to Empire, you're exploring way more, right? You you got Yoda introduced, yeah. you got more backstory in Han, Leia, Luke. You find out more about Vader. So it's cool that we we're exploring and kind of taking that step, exploring more characters. Yeah. I love it. I'm all in for it. Yeah, I fully agree with you here. Now, Carlos, let's get some insight from you here. This larger scope that they're framing out here and this is primarily Filoni and Favreau that are doing this. So they're kind of prepping us for something that is a little different, which is nice. You know, they had that hundred million dollar budget in the first season. They've got this visualization room. I can't remember what it's called. That just is incredible. They can do anything with. And so our settings are endless 
for all of this. And so we could really go anywhere in the galaxy. But is there is there any fear from you that that this season could be filled with backdoor pilots, that this could be filled with less focus on the Mandalorian? Or are you going to embrace it as being the Star Wars lover that you are, man? You're no longer a Padawan. <laughs> You're moving up. That braid is clipped. You're beyond, man. You're beyond that. You've got that awkward mullet now. <laughs> so... <laughs> how are you feeling about, about this kind of this idea of, of increasing the scope and the number of characters and the number of storylines that we're going to be following oh man like i think the the big selling point for me was when favreau compared it to game of thrones because what a phenomenal model to follow where yeah you could conceivably have the mandalorian in the background of the entire season and i don't think that the show would be any poorer for it because you've done the work and you've got some interesting characters and like i would love to see where cara dune's story takes her and um the people that she runs into and then maybe you go off on adventures with them and you you're only meeting them for the first time but they're really compelling and that's something that game of thrones did really well is you'd have entire seasons where you'd lose track of like a member of the family and then the following season they'd have a fresh story and they could fill you in backwards. They could move the thing forward and uh, the entire narrative just drives ahead. And I think it will keep the Mandalorian show fresh because I think you've kind of got to the point where the Mandalorian bouncing around with the child has kind of run its course. Like you've done as much as you can with that. And so the smart play would be to have other hooks to draw the entire story forward and then go back to those characters as opposed to what hijinks are the Mandalorian and the child are going to get into this week kind of thing. So, yeah, you end up into almost a trope there where it's like freak of the week. Like what, like are what pit of mud are they sinking in this week? You know what I mean? Like it's, there's only, yeah. I agree with you. There's only so much you can do with that pairing. Like they're a great pairing, but you've got to change things up and introduce new avenues to explore here. And I think the force has to be one of them. And I think that's primarily why, Ahsoka's coming into here, and I think that's one thing that, that we said a lot and we praised a lot about The Mandalorian is it stepped away from the Force a little bit, but then it really leaned into it in an important way, in a mysterious way, some way that we haven't explored in the past. And so I think you have to bring in like a legit Jedi to help evolve the character of the child. Like, yes, it's the best-selling piece of merch that Disney has right now and is the focal point of a lot of these ad campaigns, or it will be, but at the same time, that character has to evolve as well. Right. It can't mm-hmm. just be a nice puppet that, you know, a, a trooper punches once in a while to get a laugh. Like, uh, that was tough to watch. But yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, this is scope expansion has to be done, but it has to be done in the right way, too. Right. It can't just be winks and nods to Star Wars fans. It's got to be done in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I think Favreau finally got this on lock. And the one thing that I'm really excited for, Moff Gideon, we didn't get a ton of the character in Mando season one. We got enough of a taste that we're like, yeah, we want more. And I agree. You mentioned this off of the image, Carl, or Carl, <laughs> Carlos, <laughs> Carl Weathers stuck in my head, um, is that he looks very imposing. And this whole concept and this big tease and this this cliffhanger ending of the Darksaber, this is something I'm really excited to explore. And Esposito himself, he says, you know, he's excited that he can wear a cape and own it and he can have a lightsaber and really own it. So, 
they're going to really lean into this arc, I think. And this is a Filoni brought in arc, right? This is something that he's continuing from his stories in the Clone Wars and picking up in Rebels as well. So the the history behind that in Filoni is huge. But this, to me, on top of exploring more of the Empire, like you said, Carlos, about the kind of the fall and the remnants of the Empire and what everyone's doing after that, that is probably the thing I'm most excited for in the season. And then how the Mandalorian interacts and deals with all that because clearly you know the MacGuffin of the series I don't know if it's going to be the child again or if it's going to be the Darksaber but two very exciting MacGuffins there that could give us a lot of room to tell cool and different stories and really explore the Mandalorians because we've got some of that lore built in the Clone Wars and in Rebels but let's expand that a little bit Troy like are, are you excited for this whole Darksaber angle that we're going to inevitably get here in season two? Oh, 100 percent hundred percent. Um, the dark saber has been such a cool idea since it's been in- introduced, um, back in clone wars there. So, um, I'm kind of hoping I'm being greedy here, but I'm hoping it kind of draws uh, Sabine over. Yeah. Um, that'd be really cool because she's the last person we saw weld that thing going into the, what, the final seasons of, um, of rebels, but all around though, I think the Mandalorian history is just kind of the coolest aspect, especially because it's kind of, up in the air a little bit like we've heard whispers you know in um in rebels about it um with uh was it tarvisla was that mm-hmm. the jedi yeah and then also obviously clone wars 2 we got a little bit but i know also you know when you go between clone wars and new canon that's a disney buyout so there was some mandalorian lore before that's been kind of erased you know when you go all the way back to old republic so it's gonna be really cool that you know in a show called the mandalorian we really get to put a stamp on the definitive um canon of the history of basically of the Mandalorians. Um, so I'm really, really excited about that. And um, who doesn't like the Mandalorians? I mean, when you just look at their armor, they're, they're so interesting and so mysterious. You know, this is the way when you're down in that, that, that cave or wherever they are, those trenches and just seeing that culture, there's something about them where you just want to know more about these guys, almost on the level of like a Jedi, but we've gotten movies about Jedi. So we kind of have an idea about them, but the Mandalorians are so mysterious. So, yeah, man, I'm really excited to learn more about those guys. And I know you love them off Gideon here, Carlos. The Darksaber, <laughs> you've, done, you've done a little research. You've kind of gone back and watched, watched some of those episodes. Is this intriguing you, man? Yeah, for sure. One, like, to kind of bridge that that span of time with the Darksaber and with the Mandalorians themselves, right? So the last time we see them, they're a pretty thriving and vast community. And now it's this small group of individuals in these sewers type of thing. So how do we get from a planet of them to just this handful mm-hmm. of them? And then what role does the Darksaber play in all of this? And obviously the the Empire has touched um, that culture at some point in time too. So like once again, these are areas that you can diverge from that main storyline and have a full season, if not multiple seasons worth of content to explore so yeah i'm pretty excited for all the things that they're bringing to the table like they're almost in a position where they don't have to bring in characters like ahsoka and they've got loads and loads of show to tell so Mm -hmm. yeah And, and i think like those characters are going to be one episode type like extended cameo type roles to fit a purpose in the series, but also maybe as backdoor pilots <laughs> yeah. to, to yeah. something else, right? Like, which I'm okay with, right? If you want to expand on Ahsoka's story post Return of the Jedi and the, and go into something called Jedi, I'm game. 
I'm game for that. Like, I, I love the idea of that. And I love the idea of what they're doing here in season two. And, you know, to give everyone, I, everyone's pumped about this. There's, there's, to me, the expectations, the bar is way higher than it was for season one. We didn't know what it was going to be. But they delivered to the point where they're getting Emmy nominations. Praise was heaped almost unanimously across the Star Wars fandom, which is something we haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> But to, if there's any worries about anyone out there, you know, Chrono in here in this article says if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to see things that you've always wanted to see. And then Filoni followed that up with saying, you know, guys, you want Empire Strikes Back to be better than A New Hope. So he's telling us right here, guys, that they're going next level with this. And oh, it's man. so exciting to see. And this is a, a nice way to introduce us back to the creatives behind this, the people, the cast that's involved, some imagery. But the next step, guys, is a trailer. We, we've got to get one. We've talked about what we want or what we think's coming in this trailer. And now that we've got a good scope and view as to what Season 2 is, is going to deliver from a gross picture sense, it, it's exciting. I, I cannot wait, guys. It's you know just over a month. And we're going to be talking Mando season two. Woo. Yeah. Can't wait. Woo. Can't one wait. Of the few, one of the few down. things to escape the pandemic. <laughs> I know. It's a good thing they had that room and that tech. Yeah, exactly. Ah, so, guys. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week. A little long, but we had uh, just too much fun of the mics here, guys. It was yeah, man, that's just great. almost endless. Can't can't uh, can't say enough good things about my, my co-host here. Always... Always having a blast and a good laugh over things, even if we're dipping into some uh, some things that we don't particularly love, but we still can have some fun with it. And guys, look, it's all about the fun. It's all about the positivity here. So with all that, if you guys would like to be a bigger part of this show, you can always email us at nerdrm at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter handles at the end of the episode everything we do is also over at thenerdroom.net and make sure to go check out some of that fire ig game that troy has been putting up over at the nerd rm on instagram stars commonwealth guys go check everyone out there we get everyone's doing the big bill up to mandalorian an extra shout out to my dude kyle and the crew over at tumbling saber they've been kind enough to invite me over for a few podcasts have some fun over there you know we've been trading off things here so some nice synergy between the podcasts there and last but not least i'd like to give a big shout out to my man rob wade for endorsing this podcast over at mostly14.com so go over there and check out everything that he and the other endorsed podcasts are doing so guys we've got a big couple weeks coming up it's the goddamn batman's big day september yeah. 19th so keep an eye we're going to be doing some stuff there to celebrate the cape and the cowl for sure but until then until next week where we're bringing back or we're coming back and talking more stars marvel dc and beyond for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy and i'm batman and we will talk to you guys next week and thank you very much for entering the nerd room. this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy sanjay and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 sanjabi and cdn caped crusade r for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net and don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on itunes podbean spotify wherever you plug in take your first steps into a larger world and head over to starscommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from the Star Wars commonwealth podcast network including tumbling saber generation x-wing talk star wars sandcrawler podcast rogue squadron podcast san diego sabers radio podcast and the skyhoppers podcast use the hashtag we the nerd to keep up with the latest from the nerd room on instagram and twitter 